0: This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast show 189.
1: It's make believe in your head until you actually do it. Yep. And then it becomes a reality, and then you have that confidence that you need yeah. to be able to continue to go forward and go do more deals. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online.
2: What's
0: going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Brandon Turner. What's up, man? Hey, not a whole lot. What's going on with you? Busy, man. Busy, busy. Like last week of summer is here. This is it. The kids it start really? school.
3: Weird. It's a wrap, man. It's a wrap. Weird.
0: Weird. yeah it is weird it's, you know trying to trying to figure out what it's like to get back to a routine and and so you know all all, all the parents out there listening yeah you know what i'm talking <laughs> about it's uh summer summer could be rough summer's fun but you know it's it definitely could be could be rough with with lots of kids out and about
3: you know what's rough what's that when your baby throws up in your mouth did you hear about that yeah did that right here Right here. That happened. Yep. I've had it. I've had it happen. I've got yeah. lots of throw up stories. Yeah. Should we go there? No, we shouldn't go there. But I'm just going to go ahead and say, don't ever hold a baby three inches above your face and talk to it. Oh yeah, that's it. a bad no, idea. Bad idea. I learned that. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've anyway, done that. Right, right <laughs> down the throat.
3: Right down the throat. I mean, it was it was, oh. it was all the way. Down. I mean, it was. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't swallow. Yeah, but. That's, no, I didn't swallow. Yeah. It, no, but it, it it was projectile. So anyway, so <laughs> 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 now we've lost all of our listeners Nicely today. Nicely done, Rosie. Yeah, yeah. Nicely thank you, Rosie. You've
0: done something that we all long. <laughs> To do and see, <laughs> so congratulations to you. You are today's big winner.
3: Yeah, thanks, Rosie. All right, so uh, with that, let's get to today's show. But before we yeah. get to today's show, why don't we uh, cover today's qu- quick, tip. quick tip?
0: That was the not so quick quick tip. All right, guys, today's quick tip. You know, bigger pockets has become somewhat of a Important brand in, in the world of, of real estate investing, Whatever. I I, Whatever. I believe.
3: No one's known. Nobody's heard of it.
0: Well, so here's the funny thing. We've all heard of it, yet you go on this thing. It's called Wikipedia. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. I've heard of um, that. Kind of heard of it. Maybe I've been there once or twice. But... We don't we we don't exist as far as Wikipedia is concerned. <laughs> Apparently, we're not important enough to be on Wikipedia.
3: And it hurts our ego. It hurts our ego. It, well,
0: a little, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, you know, we only have what top ten business podcasts, top yeah, one hundred fifty of all podcasts. You know, a website with you know hundreds of thousands of members. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, have, you have go to. On. You know, you go on. on. Anyway,
3: anyway. Make us a Wikipedia anyway, page, somebody.
0: Uh, Sheesh. Yeah, Are you an editor? Are you an editor of Wikipedia? Are you a Wikipedia contributor? Like Bigger Pockets, I think at this point, is well-deserving of having our own page, and we would love to get your help in doing that. We don't want to do it ourselves, so if you're one of those Wikipedia people, please help us out.
3: All right. So... Let's get to today's show. But Today's show is actually with a, a guy that I met at it's a awesome. local. It's awesome. It's a guy I met at a local uh, Bigger Pockets meetup, which, of course, you guys can find local meetups in your areas at BiggerPockets.com slash events. Again, BiggerPockets.com slash events. You can find unofficial, just get-togethers of members on the site. And this is where I met today's guest. And uh, you guys are going to love his story. He's just crushing it. Flipping rentals, wholesales, do I mean he had a hundred thousand dollar wholesale and the way he gets his deals we talk about that in the in the fire round towards the end of the show. The way he gets his deals is amazing. Doesn't do any marketing for it whatsoever. Stay tuned for that. You guys will love it. That's yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah. Great guy, great guy. Great guy. So
0: really quick, this is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show one eighty nine. You can get to the show notes at bigger dot com slash show one eight nine or check out all of our podcasts at BiggerPockets.com slash podcast. Please, by the way, if you are a listener, subscribe, leave us a rating review. All those things do help us to get the word out and help us to attract more listeners.
2: This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host. We know and you all know why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability. With Plaid certified tenant income and assets reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. All tenant screening and verification is paid by the tenant and done through the desktop and mobile app. It's time to say goodbye to gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with RentReady. And as a matter of fact, all BiggerPockets pros have RentReady included in your pro membership. If you're not a pro, RentReady is offering you 50% off of their annual plan. New customers visit rentready.com and use code BP2024. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com. Using code BP2024, that's VP like BiggerPockets, in the year 2024 to save 50% off of one year of RentReady. You've heard us talk about it before. Go to Fundrise.com slash pockets to learn more. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash pockets. This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss. All
0: right, guys. Today's guest is Tarl Yarber. Uh, That's a mouthful, and we're going to learn a little bit more about that in a second. But Tarl, as Brandon said, he's a a great guy. He's an active uh, real estate investor. did
3: Did you do that on purpose? That's a mouthful, what? mouthful, spit up baby member. I don't
0: know. Oh, yeah. It's all about you, Brandon. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so Tarl Yarber, Tarl's done hundreds of deals, flips, wholesales. Brandon talked about buy and hold. And we, you know, like we many of lot. our great, great shows, we cover a whole lot of stuff. There's a ton to learn here, regardless of, of your level, your experience. Uh, so listen up. Let's bring him in. All right. Tarl, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here.
1: Hey, thanks for having us—or me. Ah.
0: <laughs> he speaks in us almost, almost like he's a legendary hero of the gore novels of the 1970s. <laughs>
3: that's funny that you say that. <laughs> what, what What are you getting at there, Josh? I, I don't know. I mean,
0: Tarl—that's—that's that's an interesting name.
1: Well, it sounds like you read the book. No, the uh, uh, my no, dad—I
0: did look you up on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, my dad was actually reading a uh, book about a barbarian, and uh, the barbarian ends up getting abducted by aliens, and he immediately thought that would be the best name for his son. (laughs) And so it's his turn, and for some reason, my mom went with it, and now I'm I'm Tarl always been and I feel sorry for all the Carls out there because they probably get confused <laughs> with that name too. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's there's more than just that to, to the yep. name, correct? Middle name? Yeah,
1: right. yeah. Like my dad's seen to want to go through that whole uh, Viking mythology stuff. So my middle name is actually Odin, That's and awesome. so I am a, I am a god <laughs> on the weekends. So <laughs> just.
3: Don't Good piss to know. Me off too much. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Well, that explains yeah. that explains how you're able to do so many flips. I mean, you and I met. Uh, I don't know, probably six months ago. Maybe I don't yep. know somewhere like that. Yeah, at a local bigger pockets, you know, unofficial bigger pockets meetup at uh, the Ram up in Lakewood. And yep. uh, I remember just being impressed that you were doing so much stuff in real estate. I remember just being blown away at how much you were doing, and just wanted to pick your brain while we were there. And then I met you again, and I did it again, and I was like, man, this guy is doing crazy stuff. So. I need to get him on a bigger pockets podcast. So I guess that explains it. You, that's how you do it all. You're a God. And, uh, that was a good interview. All right. You guys are ready to get out of here? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, there. Uh,
0: let's dig into this thing, Tarl. So I, I, I know nothing about you. I, I trust that Brandon- Not yet. Uh, what? <laughs> As what? Well, I, uh, you know, I, I like to come in and, and learn a thing or two. So. So you're you're up in the Pacific Northwest and you are a real estate investor. That's that's what I got. And let's kind of go back to the beginning. What were you doing before that? And how'd you get into real estate?
1: Well, before real estate, uh I actually got into real estate eleven years ago. And prior to that, I was actually a college student. Uh so when I was I I went to a real estate wealth expo uh back when I was 20 years old. And I had read this book, uh you might guys have heard of it. It's called Rich Dad Poor Dad. And no,
3: never heard of that one. Never, never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So I read it when I was 17 and it totally ruined my life and made me start, you know, finding ways to get out of the whole standard, going to college and yeah. get a good job kind of a thing. And so I ended up still going to college and I was going to do the military. And then, uh, right afterwards, I was doing ROTC and, but I was still constantly trying to look for something else to be able to make money, do something different. And I went to a real estate wealth expo. I bought a seminar on credit cards. And immediately found out this thing called wholesaling and I only bought it out of desperation because I actually bought a different seminar for <laughs> self-development and because it was all about taking risk and taking action and I wanted to do something like that because every t- all of my entire life prior to this, I never took risks. I was a very safe person. My family is very safe, very broke too, but very safe. And <laughs> so I had this new debt because the seminar cost like two grand for the personal development. And so I was like, how am I going to pay for this thing? And I saw this other (laughs) seminar called how to turn $10 into $10,000 in 30 days or less. And so I went to that and it talked about wholesaling. So I bought that on the credit card again and was like, how am I going to pay for this? And I better do what the seminar says. (laughs) So immediately jumped into that and within three months did my first deal. And then about another two months later after that did my third deal. And the third deal was $100,000. Uh, assignment fee and changed Whoa. my life.
3: So, uh, okay, we, we got to dig into that one. But before we dig into that one, I wanted to ask you about like, so you, you bought this a... This is a, a
1: family cr- show, by the way.
3: <laughs> oh, so don't say... <laughs> shit. <No. laughs>
0: Pretty much, pretty much.
1: That's, okay, all okay, we, got it. that's all we got a beeper. We got one of those cool classic beepers. Yeah, I don't know, like, know kids listen to this, so that's that's. Different. I don't know. Hey, we, we try to motivate people yeah, to you know? get
0: have to real estate at, at, at a ripe young age yeah, there you on, go. on the Bigger Pockets <laughs> podcast.
1: I, uh, I listened to that Grant Cardone podcast, so yeah. I thought that it was okay to, to cuss as possible.
2: <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, it's it's probably okay. We got we got yeah. the beeper, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want I want to know about this court. So you know, at Bigger Pockets, obviously, you know, Josh founded Bigger Pockets originally because th- this guru industry that exists out there, people charging, you know, 20, 30, 50, hundred thousand dollars for education. And a lot of people that we know, I mean, we've, there's countless stories of people who pay for some kind of education then never use it. But for you, you bought something, you bought a course for a couple thousand dollars and that actually ended up working. So what was the difference between you and all those people who maybe spent money and never got anything out of it?
1: Desperation. I don't know. Ignorance maybe (laughs) it was, I didn't know any better. And I, I never had financial challenges until I bought the course. And so the meaning, like, I've never been in a situation where I wasn't paid. I stopped paying my credit cards. And so I didn't have a way to pay for it. And the, for the payments, cause it was a charge card. It was actually an American Express. And so, and I was 20 years old. And then I made a conscious decision that I had to make it work or, or else, or what was the alternative? And so for me, I got into debt. I actually messed up my entire credit and stuff too, because I knew I wasn't going to pay it, but I realized that it was the only, I guess it was just desperation more than anything. So I don't really know how else to explain it at the time sure. and just a huge desire to want to make a lot of money and not be like the rest of my family. So sure, I think that was more than anything. And then I also I didn't know any better. Like I said, we, there was actually a follow-up course three months later for that same wholesale seminar and there was probably 300 people in there. And they had asked how many people had gone out and done their first deal. And I I, I thought everybody had been doing it. So I raised my hand and I was the only one that rose the, raised their hand. <laughs> And it blew me away because this is back in 2004, 2005 when you had all the seminar junkies everywhere and seminar gurus and just like it was crazy. It was the first huge boom and everywhere you went, everybody was getting real estate like now. And the, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so like you go, you go anywhere, everybody's a real estate investor. It's happened all the time up here in Seattle. And so I just thought everybody was doing it and I didn't realize nobody else was. And so they, I met this one guy. He had, probably 150 grand worth of seminars sitting on his bookshelf and he never opened up any of them. Oh, man. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I took some of them from him.
0: Later, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, you know, you talk about like now and, and I just read something. I forget the source, but it was, it was kind of interesting. There's one of the s- smart guys in the world out there was talking about the market feeling toppy and there's a predictor. His predictor is how many people are getting the real estate licenses? I yeah. think I shared it with you, Brandon.
3: Yeah. Yeah. thought uh, that it was fascinating. But, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of signals and signs about, you know, things are starting to feel a bit toppish here, yeah. uh, nationally, but let's switch back to, you know, you specifically. So you went through and you did that first assi- that first uh, wholesale deal. So, tell us about that deal. How did how did that go? You know what what was the experience?
1: So, my experience was that like when they talked about this wholesale seminar, it, it totally made everything sound easy and everything was simple and everything was like didn't cost any money. You need ten bucks to get a property under contract, right? I'm like, awesome! I have ten bucks. This would be fantastic. So. When you got into the seminar and got started, got into the actual booklet, it talked about if you didn't have money, then you should go door knock. And the, and I'm, I was terrified of that. So I had a Mazda MX3, 1989 or 92 or something like that. Can't remember. The AC didn't work. I was in Sacramento. It was 110, 115 degrees in the summer. And I had my little tie on and I would go to the counter recorders (laughs) and be 20 years old. I would go to the counter recorders, look up the, all the defaults and the NODs. And then I would, I didn't know which ones were good or which ones bad. Cause I had no idea how to comp a property. I didn't talk about anything about that. And I would just make the list and go knock on the door. And I had a little script that I said word for word for what the seminar said to do. And through doing that, through terrifying experiences <laughs> and never knocking on doors <laughs> at the beginning and just walking up and down the driveways and then leaving, getting back in my car and never even knocking on the door or walking around the block or whatever. Or I see a car in the driveway and I'm like, don't, definitely don't <laughs> knock on that one. And. But over the period of those that time, I finally got somebody that wanted to listen to me and talk to me. And because I still didn't know what I was doing and the seminar didn't have enough info, I started networking with some of the local RIA groups. And I met a guy there who ran the RIA group. And I ended up calling him up immediately and say, hey, can you help me out with this? Because I don't know what I'm doing. And he took over the whole assignment and took over the whole contract. And then we split the assignment fee 50-50. And I made uh, about 5000 bucks on that one. And he pretty much did everything. But I learned it all.
0: That's, That's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. So a, a few things. One, yeah. So you bought the seminar. The seminar got you off your butt. You went out, you did it and you didn't know what the hell you were doing because the seminar didn't actually explain anything. Yep. Um, yep. I think that is oftentimes the case, which is why, you know, one of the many, many, many reasons that I harp against seminars, yeah. <laughs> um, know what you're getting into. But beyond that. So, you know, one of the things that Brand and I like to talk about is, you know, getting out there and taking action. So you did that and you got out there and you realized that you kind of were at this point where you couldn't move forward without some help. And then you went out and you you found somebody to help you out through your local RIA, which is obviously a great resource, just like BP to Bigger Pockets to find people. I love that. Just for the audience, can you explain the NODs and the defaults and now that you've been doing this for a little while, how does that work and what do people need to know about that?
1: That's a good question. The main thing is you got to know your area, what state you're in, what county you're in. I mean, a lot of that stuff changes state to state and county to county. Uh, when it comes to an NOD and an NOD is a notice of default at the time that I had started this, I was in California, Sacramento and the, an NOD, they actually would follow the rules back then, which was if you, meaning the banks and everything and stuff, you didn't make your payment over a period of time, typically you would get a 90 day or a notice of default. Late notice, basically saying, Hey, you have to pay this in 90 days or you're going to go into an NTS notice of trustee sale, which is foreclosure. And then after you got your notice of trustee sale back then, you'd had 21 days in California before you went into foreclosure and your, your basically your, your house went to auction. And so you had 111 days from the notice of default to auction and almost like clockwork back in 2004, 2005, the banks actually followed all that, right? Now people. From my experience seeing here, you know, they make, they don't make payments for two, three, four years and they still get to stay in yeah. their houses. <laughs> but we've all seen that lately. Yeah. But that's the difference there. And so you would be able to go to the county recorders and you'd get, you'd be able to pull up a piece of paper that they'd have on the desk. It would say the 10, 15, 20, 40, 60, whatever, 100 names on that list. That would be the current NODs. I'd look it up on their little pieces of paper. I mean, sorry, the computers that they had there. And, and then I would go find their addresses and go knock on their doors. Now you can I mean, get with, with what
0: intent, online. by the way? I mean, obviously you're trying to buy those properties, right? Okay. So, yeah. so from, from the perspective, this, this is a bit of like, you know, foreclosure investing 101, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. From the purpose of an investor, you wanted to get this as a deal, you know, before it becomes a, an REO or it goes to auction, right? Correct. Correct. So, so how would somebody, how would you have uh, actually acquired that property? What would you have done if somebody had this NOD? Was was in financial trouble, uh, not paying their their note. What kind of process would you need to take at that point to actually acquire that property?
1: Well, back then, I would have uh, immediately tried to get it under contract. And for purposes, you got to find out, uh, you know, how much do they owe? You know, what are they? What's their arrears? Which is what's their back? Whether they actually owe to the banks and so forth uh, to make up for their missing payments, and that would help also find out what your actual purchase price is going to be. But when I was doing it then, I didn't know most of that. So I would just try to figure out what they wanted to sell the house for and then hopefully get under contract and, and go from there. But if I were doing it again back then, then I'd be using a lot more of the negotiation skills that I have now and being able to, you know, get them down as, you know, conveniently as possible. So
3: yeah, right on. Awesome. 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 Yeah. That's cool. So one thing you mentioned a minute ago was that. The first deal, you didn't really know what you were doing. And so you went to somebody who, you know, was the, the head of the area and you said, yep. Hey, will you walk through this with me and do this with me? And I'll split it with you. I mean, that's a tip that I tell people all the time. Josh tells people all the time. I hear it on the blog. Yet very few people actually ever do it. Uh, Correct. but I, I just want to point that out that you did, I mean, exactly what I recommend people do is if you don't know what you're doing, it's better to get 50% of a great deal than hundred percent of no deal. Right. So partner with somebody and have them walk you through it.
1: Oh, hands down. Like, that's everybody I talk to you out there. That's new is, is they, if they're trying to do that. They're trying to make all their money on their first deal. Yeah, right. At least from my experience being yep. on see It. I was trying to at first too, until I realized I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't make yeah. any money. So yeah. it's like a hundred percent of nothing is nothing. Yep. So
3: yeah,
1: it's why not split it or why not go to somebody? Then you learn it all, and then you basically yeah. are paying for your education, but you're just making money on it.
3: Yeah, and of yeah, course, yeah. I, I think the thing that sets sets it apart though is you came with the deal. I mean, people message me a lot. And they say, "Hey, yeah, hey, Brandon, will you teach me everything you know, and yeah. I'll split my first deal with you fifty 50 Well, no, I'm not going to do that. You come to a deal with you come to me with a deal, and then we'll talk. You know, you know if it's a good deal, then yeah, maybe we'll split it. Uh, but yeah, the big difference between having the deal and not having the deal. Oh,
0: if he comes with the deal, maybe we'll split. It. Look at <laughs> look, look at yeah. this guy. <laughs>
3: Maybe Maybe. <laughs> like Maybe you're worthy enough to you're not work good with me. For me, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, they got to pass a test.
0: No, but <laughs> I mean, you know, and we—you said fifty percent. I mean, if you walk away with twenty-five percent, and you've gone through the deal, and you've learned yeah. the deal, and they've done all the work, you know, I, it's it's still a great deal. It's still a great opportunity for a new investor because, I mean, frankly, the hardest thing about doing it is just doing it, yeah. right? I mean, it's that fear. It's overcoming the hurdle of of getting that first deal done so you do a deal you get a tiny piece you, you break even or make nothing you've got that in your pocket you know go ahead and do your next deal and you'll make more money fantastic you know well, it like, makes it
1: real it makes it yeah. real so all this right now I mean if you're on bigger pockets on the forums and reading what everybody else is doing it, it could be it's make-believe in your head until you actually do it Yep. and then it becomes a reality and then you have that confidence that you need yeah. to be able to continue to go forward and go do more deals.
0: So, so what happened from there? You, you did this first deal, partnered with the guy, then what?
1: Second deal was very similar, very small. I think I made like 2,500 bucks on that one. But then the third deal that I did actually changed everything for me, my entire life, financially, everything. And, uh, through networking, I found actually at the same time I was starting to get my financial licensing. I was going to become a financial planner. I'd already dropped out of college by then and I dropped out of college about two months after buying the seminar. <laughs> and so, and then, I, this, we found this property. It was uh, 40 acres and it was in Smith River, California. And a buddy of mine who I was working with, it was his girlfriend's property from her divorce. And so it was the last property that they had together and they couldn't get rid of it. So we ended up, for whatever reason, able to tie it up for 225 grand. It appraised at 500,000 at a current status. And so we ended up having a long-term contract with them. And we wholesaled it to somebody for three hundred twenty-five thousand all the way in Kansas, and so they wanted a property on the West Coast. We made a hundred grand on the deal. We ended up doing a double close, uh, which you can't really do very much right now. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but no,
3: please, if you want to explain that,
1: double closes were a lot easier prior to the crash. But that's where you would do a double escrow. You'd have two purchase and sales agreements. So we had one for for two hundred twenty-five thousand on this property and then we would submit that to escrow and then we submitted another contract for 325,000 uh through us as if we're the sellers uh, from the end buyer and submitted that into that's the same escrow and then the escrow agent would technically close on the 325 one and then use the funds to pay for the 225 one for us and we'd the difference that gets left behind would be the hundred grand or after closing costs, So you're basically
3: 000. using the cash from the, the cash buyer to fund yep. the original purchase yet you're buy so you're almost like just using their money for a short time without yeah. giving, them, giving them anything for it. Yeah. yeah. Apparently they frown on that now because yeah.
1: technically you don't own the property when yeah. you go to sell it. So they're giving you three hundred and twenty five grand when you don't even own it to go yeah. buy it then. And so that's, that's not something that's very well practiced in the U.S. anymore. So, so
3: instead of double closing, then what do you do? Or what do you call it? Uh, when you're doing a wholesale deal today, like what would you do instead of that?
1: You do an assignment contract. And okay. so the, you would just assign it instead. It's a little bit easier to do back then You when you're getting a hundred thousand dollar assignment through escrow as a double close. Most of the reason why you did that, because you didn't want people to know you're making a hundred grand. Yeah. And it's easy. It was easier to withhold that information with a double escrow versus. Not everybody's happy to see a hundred thousand dollars assignment fee.
3: Yeah,
1: when you're the buyer. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. That, that makes sense. I,
0: I want to ask about the property itself. So, how, okay. you said you found the property. What what kind of property was it, and how did you actually find it?
1: Well, it was. I found it because this guy Brett, who I worked with, he it was his exes. Sorry, his girlfriend's exes and their property. So, just through talking to him and telling him what I was doing. And I, everybody I talked to, I was saying, hey, if you find a, know a property, if you see something that's distressed or whatever situation, send it to me and I'll pay you a referral fee and if I end up buying it. right." So I told that to everybody I knew. And one time I was telling him at that lunch, he then said he might have something, and we looked into it. So it was 40 acres, and it was in Smith River, California, which is just basically the border of Oregon and California. And that was about yep. six and a half hours from us. And after looking at it, doing all the research, we got an appraisal on it after we just tied it up. Cause that's all we, we just immediately tied it up for 225 and because that's what they wanted doing all the research. It took some time for us to end up selling it because we didn't really, it's not very easy to sell 40 acres on the border of California and Oregon to yeah. just, you're not going to sell it to the locals because they already have their properties. So we had to start marketing it out of state and. We just put the pack, get together packages, you know, explaining what they could do to it. It already had septic on it, it, already had well system on it, and eventually, just through websites, somebody hit us up, and they flew themselves out there. We met them, walked their property, got it under contract with them, and closed about a month later. And it was great.
2: Wow, so, that's awesome.
3: Hundred that grand.
1: Yeah, that was almost eleven years ago. So that was a while ago. <laughs>
3: yeah. So you've just been living anyway. on that, eating ramen noodles for the last eleven yeah, years, right? Be amazed, so yeah, pretty you can live. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm
0: rich, baby. I'm rich. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. No, that, that's really cool. So let's fast forward. Where, where are you today? Are you, you still wholesaling $100,000 deals all the time? What, what, are, you, what are you doing?
1: Now we flip $100,000 deals now. So the, our niche is actually fix and flip. And that's kind of how talking to Brandon, how he got to know me a bit. And right now, we, we've done, we do pretty high volume, in, for Seattle at least, high volume, fix and flip. And most of the houses we do are very old and they're full remodels. Uh, they're not, you know, just cosmetics or anything. So, what we would consider a cosmetic, most people would consider
3: a full remodel. Can you explain? Uh, uh, give us a difference. I mean, what's it, what typically are you doing on these things?
1: So, a lot of the houses we do, like a lot of people look at cosmetics as just a carpet, paint, you know, fix up, maybe update the kitchen a bit, and throw it back on the market. Seattle's a little bit more challenging for that, and the surrounding area. I mean, Brandon, you know this. A lot of these houses here are 1912, 1940, 19. Like the newest house I think I ever bought was like 1987, and the but the average house I looked it up before uh, the podcast. I think our average age on all our houses in the last two years was like 1943, and wow. so yeah, so they're pretty old here. And so it's kind of hard to just do a quick cosmetic. And yeah, because everything's broken on these things, I mean, like a lot of times when you're buying these, they're, they're pretty messed up here. You can do some pretty cool cosmetics in the right areas, but Seattle's to get the value. You actually need to do full remodels on these things. So our difference is we're almost always adding a bathroom. We're almost always uh, updating the plumbing and the electrical. We're almost always putting on new roofs. We're almost always doing all new windows. Pretty much when we're done with these houses, they look like brand new houses.
0: Okay, that's awesome. And w- what's your average cost on, on a rehab?
1: Uh, we we fluctuate a bit. Like, so we have one right now that we're at two hundred forty thousand on, Whoa. and then I had another one we just finished that we were at thirty grand. So, uh, Washington is a little different than the rest of the U.S. We've been I've been fortunate enough to be in multiple states uh, before, so we've gotten to see what the different contractors are in different states. And my unbiased opinion is that Washington has very very expensive and. Not the best contractors that are out there, <laughs> so we end up paying a lot more than what we would pay in other parts of the U.S. So our thirty thousand dollar remodel here might only cost fifteen to eighteen grand in different states. So yeah, fifty five, sixty five is probably what we average. If I had to uh, throw it out there.
3: All right. So I mean, you're typically spending, like you said, anywhere between thirty. So I mean, up two hundred and forty, whatever thousand. What, let's go through like a typical. What do you buy it for? What do you rehab it like on average? What do you sell it for? What's your minimum profit that you try to shoot for on a project?
1: Uh, so those are good questions. Purchase price—they're a little hard to answer here because we go from right now, currently, we go all the way from up to Seattle, all the way down to Portland, okay. and so we're all over the place. And our purchase prices—you know—we just bought one for eighty grand, but then I'm buying one next week for close to five hundred, and then we also just bought one for last month, for about actually. Three months ago for about six hundred. So, but then we bought another one for two hundred, and so they're a little (laughs) over all over the place. So, it's
3: what about like just uh, what what kind of profit do you look for? I mean, does it depend on the deal, or do you just have a flat? I make this much. No,
1: we we have a very strict guidelines for our ROIs, our rate of returns, or sorry, return on investment, and our criteria. So, one of the things I see that a lot of people, when as I'm talking to other investors out there, they don't always have the best Mm criteria, or they don't have any criteria. They just want to make money. They say, Oh, I can make 20 grand on this or I can make 10 grand. But if you're putting out a ton of cash or a lot of risk on that property, that's not really worth it. So our criteria is we based everything on a cash on cash basis. So what that means is that if I were to buy the entire property for cash and also put in all the rehab for cash, what is the rate of return on that? And our goal is 15% based on that. It used okay. to be twenty. Uh, I always want everybody. I always want hundred percent. But yeah. we've just lowered our standards. Maybe about uh, I don't know about a year ago because things got more complicated, more competition.
0: I did too when I took on my host here. But um. <laughs> <laughs>
3: all so, right. So example of that might be just correct me if I'm wrong. So let's say a project was two hundred grand and you had to yep. put a hundred thousand into it. Now you got three hundred grand into it. Correct. You're going to look for forty five thousand dollars in profit.
1: Yeah, that's fifteen percent. So that's roughly right. Yeah, um, that's yeah. right.
3: I think uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. my head. Yeah, exactly. Okay, there, there
1: you go. go. My okay, the, that's yeah, cool. For forty five grand. But that would be that's just to measure the the risk. So that doesn't mean I'm buying it cash. I might still sure. finance it. But I know at fifteen percent with our construction experience and what we can do here. And it's good for my measure to know that if even if I financed it we still will make the return that we're looking for.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. No, that's- I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. About. A lot of people just say, I want to make money. I just want something. But when you have a specific goal, it gives you a benchmark to measure. I'm like, it's not arbitrary anymore. It's not just like, uh, I feel good about this property. It's, is this going to give me the return I want?
0: Well, if you tie up, you know, $600,000 in cash, you know, between purchase, repairs, things like that, and you, ne- you end up with 20 grand, you know, Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's, it's, you know, a little nervous, right? I mean, oh, yeah. so, so, you know, just saying, Hey, I want to profit from a flip. I, I like setting that, that minimum standard. And you know, that 15% works for you. You said you used to do 20. Why did, why did you drop it from 20 to 15?
1: Cause I wouldn't be able to buy any properties. if we
0: <laughs> So it opened so, up the door to do more.
1: Yeah. The big, I mean, as the competition got higher and higher here, there's more and more people that were jumping into the market that maybe they got, maybe they're just, better investors or maybe they just don't have to make as much of a margin to make it worth their risk or maybe they don't know what they're doing so they're buying the properties at a higher value than they should and so we were getting outbeat by a lot of other investors at times when we could have been buying great properties and so some of these numbers that some of these guys were coming back with just didn't make any sense but Maybe they only needed to make five grand or ten grand on a five hundred thousand dollar flip or something yeah. to be able to make it happen. Or maybe they didn't know better. So yeah. a lot of the guys have been getting saved by the market, and uh, based on my opinion, meaning that you know the appreciation's been ridiculous, and it's great when you're selling it. And then, but it's it also makes a lot of false expectations of what your next flip might look like if you're not careful.
3: Sure, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right, so you mentioned also this idea that you invest in both or you flip in both Portland and in Seattle. Now, for those right. people who are unfamiliar with the Northwest, those are not neighboring cities. That's not like they're next door to each other. I mean, those are, what, three huh? hours away probably. Is that right, three hours? Is that a good yeah, driving? three,
1: three and a half. All, All right,
3: because right. I'm kind of like – I'm like halfway in between the two, so it's like equal drive to both. So why are you flipping at a three, three and a half hour difference? I mean, that seems like a long ways to flip away from you.
1: All right, so I mean the reason why we go to Portland is because – We were struggling a little bit at one time about a year ago in finding more volume because we had all the funding to be able to do it, and the competition was getting stronger in Seattle. And my past is everything I ever did was always out of state, and all the systems that we've been able to create were originally created so that way we don't ever have to really be at these houses very often. And so Portland was just the next best thing to kind of test, can I do full rehabs and full-scale rehabs from from afar? And it was more of a challenge for myself and my team to see if we can do it. And because when we used to do stuff in the past, we had larger teams, and we had, I used to work with a company that we used to be able to do multiple states and multiple properties. And so for Portland, I just figured okay, if we go over there, And we find a house that just makes a lot of sense. We'll just have a higher criteria. We'll hire the best GCs that we could find for the value that we can get it for. And we'll just use our systems that we've created up in Seattle and just plug it into Portland and see if it works. And it's been working for us pretty well. And I actually wish I could focus down there a lot more. We've just been so busy up here that it's taken us away a little bit from Portland
3: Sure. recently. And and I I mean, you've been doing this for a number of years now. So like you have those systems in place, which I want to talk about systems here in a minute. But do you recommend newbies flipping from that distance. If they're on their first, second, third flip, should they be flipping at a 3-hour distance?
1: No, only if it makes sense though. And it just depends on the numbers on the property and what's their past experience. Do they understand rehab enough, right, to be able to do that? I think buy and holds are a little bit easier further away because you can always hire a property manager and you can always, you know, just have boots on the ground to be able to do that. But if somebody's, you know, got family or somebody has people that they know that are very local, and that they trust a lot, then maybe if they have the right systems, they can flip from afar. but if they don't know what uh you know how to do any rehab whatsoever, and if a contractor's you know jerking them around or if they actually know what things should cost or anything like that, then they probably shouldn't flip from afar. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah that makes sense. makes sense. all right, so just so we get an idea how how many total deals have you done so far
1: uh, in my career? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, probably close to around 500 and wow. yeah, so we, that's over 11 years though. And a huge bulk of that though was over the last four and a half, five years.
0: Okay. okay. And so how many are you doing per year now?
1: Uh, last year we did 38 full rehabs and then a handful of wholesales. Uh, this year right now we've already done 22 full scale rehabs that we've sold and we currently have 16 houses right now. That out of those 16, they're all at various stages. A handful of them are already in escrow to be sold, and then a bunch of them are still in rehab. So,
0: so I, I, I want to ask about that because you know you you clearly are managing lots of things at, at once. Um, so I, I I've got two questions here. One. Uh, how do you make a decision on what you're going to wholesale and what you're going to flip? You did talk about having access to cash. So I, I do question why why wholesale when you could go and flip it. <laughs> and then the second is, you said you have 16 properties at various stages. That's not an inconsequential amount of property that are being worked on, uh, so to speak. Uh, how big is your team?
1: Uh, there's three of us. <laughs> so there's right, so, It's me and two other people right now.
0: Wow. Got
1: it. All right. So back to the first question. Okay. Uh, and the, uh, what was the first question? The Wholesale, <laughs> wholesale versus. Oh, uh, oh, okay. That's, that's true. Actually, when we, I actually don't wholesale very much at all anymore. And it's more just of an opportunistic thing. Like we get a property sent to us that just maybe just doesn't fit my criteria and we might send it to a few other people just real quick. Say, you're interested. If you are just, you know, pass us a few bucks, like kind of a thing. But it used to be when I was getting more actively into flips more and more and more, and people started knowing me more as the flip guy and we would wholesale people would question why i was wholesaling it they were like wait a second if you're not buying this thing why the hell should i buy it and and i'm like no trust me it's good (laughs) but the so that honestly almost every house that we look at now is based on can we flip it or can we keep it and the the wholesales now are just more of a Hey, this just doesn't fit our criteria because maybe it's a bigger rehab, or it's a tear down, or it's a or it's a land deal, and we just don't do new builds or anything like that. And there's plenty of guys here that do that, and we just flip those to them instead.
0: Okay. Got it, got it. And and just one more thing, and and I know Brandon is dying to to jump in here. Dying, um, dying, dying. <laughs> so you said something to the effect of we had all the funding we needed to do more deals. Um, okay. That sounds pretty good. I mean, since you are Odin, uh, you 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 can just generate <laughs> right. cash, you know on your own here, obviously. but uh,
1: fear by wrath. for yeah,
0: for, our, yeah, for us mere <laughs> mortals, how how does one get access to all the funding you need to do more? In other words, how'd you get the funding?
1: Good question. <laughs> so that's actually uh, I'll give you the short answer. like is really the majority of my success all comes back down to just networking. And networking, 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 and just being uh, very direct and very honest with people about what we got going on, who we are. You know, just always doing what's right for on a deal. Like if it's protecting the investor, protecting the person that's investing with us, always first. So that way, we have that reputation that if somebody invests with us, then they're going to be taken care of. So back, there's a lot of stories here. So I'll just try to keep it simple. Uh, about three years ago, close to three years, years ago, two and a half years ago or so, I had a business partnership fail, and we had been doing a lot of value, a lot of properties together across the U.S., and it totally devastated me. So, but during that, prior to that failure, we had developed a lot of lenders throughout the U.S. and people that just knew us uh, from our ability to be able to do volume and be able to buy houses and be able to basically funnel properties to other investors and so forth. And my role during that whole business was that i flew around i met lots of people i networked with everybody i built all the relationships with everybody so i was pretty much the point of contact all the time so when the partnership failed and a few months later i got a call from one of the people that used to fund us and they wanted to start buying in washington again and they wanted to buy with me so they basically gave me a pocket like a checkbook for five million bucks roughly and said go ahead and you know let's partner and we all split the profits on that what was their name (laughs)
0: <laughs> and a, this, you
1: <laughs> yeah right the uh well i don't partner with them anymore we that only lasted a few like about six right. months because i was then doing uh that partnership was good uh it just got me into his position to where i was doing all the work for only a third of the profit oh. and oh. the because we were splitting it three ways yep. so there's it just didn't really match for me and some funding sure. is actually a lot less expensive than two thirds of the profit if you yeah. know what you're doing. So yeah. Uh, By the
0: way, really, really quick on that, you know, we we in the beginning of the show talked about, you know, it's great to give away a piece of the deal when you're just getting started and you don't know what you're doing. Obviously the opposite applies as well when when you know what you're doing. Uh, you, you want to give away far, far less uh, when far you're less, doing all yes. the work.
1: Yeah. 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 And the deal, I mean, the deal made sense at the time because we were going to grow into multiple states again and we were going to be, and I'll have less of an active role. But then it ended up being where I was doing 100% of everything and all the other group was doing was writing a check. Yeah. And that's why it only lasted about five, six months of actually actively doing it because then all the the expansions never happened, the growth never happened. It all stayed in Washington and it all stayed on my shoulders. And so I just said, all right, I'm done with this. And then it's just started going off on my own again.
3: Yeah. Cool. Do you mind me asking, like today when you work with private lenders, what kind of ranges are we talking about? Or like, what do you pay typically for private lending uh, from these people?
1: That's a good question. I don't do equity splits very much anymore. So okay. the difference between paying like a rate of return so versus paying an equity share or a profit share is you have your normal lenders out there that you could pay 6, 8, 10, 12, 14% annualized right? Which is like a hard money loan or yeah. a private lender. And then you just got equity share. Say, hey, I'll split it 50-50 or 60-40 or 70-30 or whatever. And most of the deals I do, I do with just private lenders, which are just individuals that I pay, like my favorite guy I pay 10% to. And I could probably get somebody for less, but he's just the easiest to deal with. And I prefer simplicity over Complications, and from my experience, there's always cheaper money. It's just what's the real cost of that money, yeah. and does it mean I have to report to somebody every single day? Uh, is it hard to get the money? Do they need two weeks to analyze it, or can I just make a phone call and they wire the money? Like, what's the easiest way to do it? And I'd prefer that more than anything. I love it. That's awesome.
0: But that, but that doesn't happen overnight, right? I mean, no. being able to get on the phone and and have somebody send you cash. I mean, you have to establish and prove yourself. So, for for somebody who's Maybe not the very, very, very beginning, but, you know, somebody who's been growing their business, how, how do they do that? How do they, uh, demonstrate and prove to potential private lenders that, you know, they're, they can be trusted, that, you know, you don't have to scrutinize, uh, every single thing anymore.
1: No, I think that's, that's an excellent question because I think most investors don't keep track of what they even do. And so they just are winging it most of the time, and they're yeah. they're they're buying, they're investing, but they don't take pictures of their houses, right? Or they don't keep or they don't keep them, right? They just have them somewhere in their cell phone, and they don't. I'm I'm really guilty of that. You're really guilty of that. <laughs> I'm terrible <laughs> so at that. Yeah,
3: I keep telling that, myself I need you, to get organized with pictures.
1: Yeah, I can show you how to do that. It's but <laughs> they don't have a portfolio. or They don't have they can't sit there and pull up on their. Uh, their Dropbox. Hey, here's what we did. Here's our profit and loss sheet. Here's here's our numbers on it. Here's the rehab. Here's the before photos. Here's the during photos. Here's the after. Photos. You know, being able to show, hey, you're a professional business that knows what they're doing is something that almost no investors do. And so, if they come up to somebody that's a successful, wealthy individual that's already made their money and they're willing to then lend it, and they go, hey, just trust me, I do really cool houses, and give me your money. You know, that's kind of hard to. To get somebody to trust them that much, unless maybe it's a family member.
2: Makes sense. Makes, makes sense. sense. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability. With Plaid certified tenant income and assets reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. All tenant screening and verification is paid by the tenant and done through the desktop and mobile app. It's time to say goodbye to gut check, tenant screening, and feel confident renting out your property with RentReady. And as a matter of fact, all BiggerPockets pros have RentReady included in your pro membership. If you're not a pro, RentReady is offering you 50% off of their annual plan. New customers visit RentReady.com and use code BP2024. That's R E N T R E D I dot com using code B P twenty twenty four. That's V P like Bigger Pockets in the year twenty twenty four to save fifty percent off of one year of Rent Ready. Transactions own multiple businesses. Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into ten business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just ten minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com/slash/BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I.com slash bigger pockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. Finding rental property insurance has been a headache for the past few years. You know the feeling. You're scrambling, calling 20 different insurance agencies in a dozen different cities, struggling to protect your portfolio at the right cost. But I'm going to tell you a little secret that'll change everything. Veteran investors don't go through the everyday insurance companies. They just use NREG. NREG, that's N-R-E-I-G, provides insurance solely for real estate investors. They've built the largest insurance program in the country for residential tenant-occupied, vacant, and renovation properties. The best part? You can put all your properties on one insurance schedule and one monthly bill. And you can add, change, or remove properties without having to cancel one policy and purchase another. They insure properties from single-family rentals, up to 20-unit multifamily dwellings, vacation rentals, mobile homes, condos, and more. Trade catchy jingles for cash flow with insurance made for investors. Visit nreg.com slash bppod to request a proposal. N-R-E-I-G dot com slash B-P-P-O-D. So, one thing we do have on bigger pockets is to give a quick uh, plug
3: out there. We have a thing called a portfolio tracker. It's not very pop. I mean, like, we never really broadcasted that wide and, in and, and large. We, I don't really know why we didn't, but anyway, it's kind of a cool little app. We just built a ver- not app on a phone, but like cool little program. If you go to biggerpockets.com slash portfolio, you can actually just enter in your portfolio you kind of keep track of what you've got going, or what you currently own, especially if you're doing rentals or, uh, you know, flips, you can kind of keep track of that. So again, go to biggerpockets.com slash portfolio, check it out. And it's kind of a cool little thing that we built. So
0: anyway, it's a very basic V1 cool. yeah. beta version, by yeah. the way, which, you know, if people Start to use it and, and yeah, well, love it and want it more time, to do more.
1: We're, we're happy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many tools out there. I mean, like bigger pockets, you guys have lots and lots of tools that I, I think are underutilized probably from a lot of people that are members. And yeah. I mean, I didn't even know that one existed. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. We, we, yeah.
3: Didn't do, we do a lot of like soft launches on stuff where we like, we have people try it out, test it out, and play with things. And if people like it, then we make it more and we make it better and better. And it's kind of our, uh, our process. So let's go back yeah, maybe to maybe
1: Josh. Uh, Josh, you should probably hire a marketer, like or somebody that's like the face <laughs> of your business to be able to like tell yeah, people about you the products. Yeah,
3: I heard Snoopy was so looking what? for a job. What? I heard Snoopy was. You could hire Snoopy, and you know the, the dog. He could come on and you know do your. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. All right. So I want to talk we, about we
0: market the things that are ready to market. We're <laughs> slow on the things that we want want to be slow on and diligent on. Yeah. But uh it's, it's no, it's all part I, of I the mean,
3: plan. <laughs> it's all intentional. It's all intentional. <laughs> oh, all right, thanks, so, Tarl. Yeah. I'll you're a good man. All right. So we, you've been doing, you had 38 flips last year. You're done 22 right now. You got 16. So my guess is that you are probably swinging the hammer. You're at the house every single day. You're doing oh, yeah. all the hands on work, right? I mean, like, you don't obviously. have a, Okay. Obviously. So I don't sleep. Uh, yeah, you don't, don't sleep. Know. Yeah. You, I mean, come on. I mean, you're Tarl. Right Like Odin, right? Okay, so to. you don't need to sleep. you're you're a myth, mythological God. So instead of that, for those people again who are mere mortals, we have to have systems in place. And I know you're a systems guy. So first of all, I want to start out this conversation about systems with, what does that even mean? What do I mean when I say you're a systems guy and you like systems?
1: I like developing processes to where we don't have to consistently continue to do meticulous, mundane activities. So that when you're when you're flipping these houses, you know why pick 16 different faucets? Why not just have one, right? Yeah. And have it written down somewhere with the SKU number and the how much it costs, so that you can hand it to the contractor and also and also include a picture, so that you don't have to get any confusion later. <laughs> and why not choose that before you even talk to the contractor, right? Just things like that that just helps condense these timeframes, and then having it stored somewhere like we have our own systems to be able to do that. But having it actually a process, a process in your flip business or in your buy and hold business or whatever it is that you're doing out there, just have a process for it and follow it and not just wing it all the time and react, always constantly reacting.
3: Okay. So, I and I love that. I love, I love systems. I love processes. Um, Where would you say, like, where do you keep your system? I mean, are you just uploading Google Drive? Do you got it on a a Evernote? I mean, how do you keep your systems together and and document things?
1: so Google Drive is great, and I know I have some friends that use that. We use Dropbox for a lot of stuff, and we also use a program called Basecamp. Okay. And Base, Basecamp is our what we use for our project management and what we use to be able to communicate as a team and with everybody involved in it. And then Dropbox we use as a file storage. And every property we have is set up the exact same way, so that way anybody can pick it up and know exactly what's going on with it at any time.
3: That's cool. That's, That's cool. I've not used Basecamp. I use Trello in my business. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys use Trello at all, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a simpler. It sounds like a much simpler version of Basecamp, but yeah, I, we keep yep. track of all of our projects in there. We move things over across as they're getting done and, uh, mm-hmm. totally made business like real estate, uh, oh, yeah. less of a headache and less stressful.
0: How, how would somebody, I, again, I, you know, I think it's great. I, I think there's probably countless, uh, quote, sophisticated investors who, Are not systematizing their businesses who are using pencil and paper and their brains to manage and, and, and maintain it. How would somebody go about starting to, to systematize their business? You know, did you, did you find a, a a book on just processes? Was, was it just like one thing at a time? Hey, you know what? Okay. This makes sense. What Charles talking about is great. You know what? We're going to start figuring this out. Faucets. We're going to first do faucets and we'll take a picture. We'll get the skew and we'll put it somewhere and then we're going to do you know countertops and then we're going to do sinks and then just kind of work through it is is it as simple as that
1: it is now but i could tell you right now how i got into it was we i don't want to i was going to cuss but we screwed up so much stuff in the past <laughs> that i just got tired of making the same mistakes all the time yeah. and that's that's been and the thing that i could give the advice to anybody that's new out there is that you don't have to make all the mistakes like you shouldn't like please don't make all the same mistakes and stuff. Yeah. There's plenty of people on bigger pockets that have already made those mistakes that you could just copy what we did and or copy what we do, not what we did, because that would be the mistakes. And so <laughs> uh, yeah. but I mean something as simple as like they people can just start by just taking photos of your properties. I mean that's a huge thing for me. And on our Dropbox, we have a, every single property has a rehab pics folder, right? So it has before photos. And we know we're not talking about 10 photos. We're talking, we take on average between 60 to 110 photos every single time we walk these properties. And the reason for that is we want every angle of the property. We want and it only takes a few minutes to do it. If you just run through the property real quick with your cell phone, you can take 60, 80, 100 photos pretty quickly and take the photos like you're walking a house, right? And so that way you can refer back to them if, let's say that you haven't been to the house in a week and you've had two other contractors go there and one of them's blaming the other contractor that they broke, a, you know, put, sorry, damaged some drywall or they, they, you just refinished your hard, this happened to us. We just refinished your hardwoods and then a contractor goes in there and does drywall without waiting for it to clear, the clear coat to dry oh, and then there's drywall. Oh, dust man. in there. Everybody blames everybody else for what actually happened, but we have photos. We can go back because we have photos that show, hey, there was nothing there after the hardwoods were done, and then the drywall guy showed up too early because he came earlier.
0: Are you then? Uh, are you going through after every X period and then retaking those photos? Or are you doing photos in process? Because yes, you know, oh, you are. Okay, so how often are you doing that? You know,
1: a minimum of once a week. The photo, the pro- every f- property is we get photos of. Probably two to three times a week is more realistic uh, for us because we're just we're driving them, and so the. I'm not always driving them, but other people are. And then the, they upload them automatically into Dropbox. So while they're at the property, we take the photos and whoever's there just puts it right onto their phone and uploads it into Dropbox. And it's just more of a habit now. So that way we just have records and this has protected us from litigation. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that just that little simple thing could also build a portfolio to show to private money lenders, but it could also show, protect you from other things
3: i love that
0: so take the example of the drywall guy and the flooring guy Mm -hmm. you know sounds like the drywall guy you know started too soon so how did you bring the photos in to to kind of prove that
1: well it's uh because we already had photos and the drywall guy is disputing that you know he didn't do that that was already there before you started right after the hardwoods were done it just so happened that we were already at the property. So we were able to take photos through it. Drywall guy was supposed to cover the floors before he started doing any of his. It was just, you're talking, we probably should have done the drywall before we even did the hardwoods, right? That's, that would be the normal construction one one thing. But this was a unique situation based on repair. We didn't realize we needed sure. uh, and we had to open up the wall and so forth. Ultimately uh, that guy was supposed to cover the floors up and we can prove when the drywall guy was saying, Hey, I didn't do the, I didn't hurt your floors. They're already that way right we showed hardwood guy was done here are the photos you were the only other guy to show up afterwards and here's the photos after you were done right so here's proof and so then he ha- ended
0: up having to cover
1: yeah he ended up having to rebuff the floors and stuff and pay for it and because he never covered up the floors and we got tons of tons of stories like that something as simple as a drywaller covering up an outlet for an electrical outlet mm, yeah. and we're like why is the electrical not working in the room because there's one outlet that never got figured out and then you're like, "Well, where is it?" Does anybody remember? <laughs> yeah. And then you you look up all the photos and you can see, "Oh, the outlets right there." And it's so without having to cut tons of sheetrock trying to find a stupid outlet. That's awesome. Uh,
0: yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's 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 great. I I I bet you the vast majority of people are not doing this.
1: I uh, fully agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start Everybody doing this right now. <laughs> it's simple. You just no, like that's actually yeah. That's what allowed us to invest out of state multiple times in the past was that – and that's what created this habit for me and my team is when we'd go to a different state or a different city or even in Portland, I immediately would network with five, six, seven different realtors or, and a bunch of wholesalers and a bunch of contractors. But when we would buy a house… I would ask people, the wholesalers and realtors at Favors that wanted to work with us, hey, do me a favor. Can you go buy that house and take some photos from me and send them to me, right? And they were then checking on the contractors for me. And then you could have three, four people a week driving these houses for you because <laughs> they want to work with you, and you're not paying them anything, and they're sending you <laughs> photos, and they're checking on the con- – and they're unbiased because they're not getting paid by the – they're not the contractor. They're not the realtor that's listing that house. And you can also have the realtor that's listing that house take the photos for you too. And and this. And now you never have to go to it and you're always constantly seeing what's going on with the property. It's pretty simple. That's
3: cool. That's great. That's cool. Simple, simple, simple. And and I love, like you said, you know, a lot of like, a lot of the systems that we have in our business were built off of the mistakes we've made or frustrations, right? So I wrote a blog post like a year ago on this exact thing. I said, I think it was called, if you're frustrated, your system's broke. It's basically like, I mean, a good example of that the other day, we couldn't find the picture. I mean, it was actually a picture thing. So the other day we could not find pictures of the inside of a house. We're trying to get funding, working with a private lender. And I want, he asked for some pictures inside. I looked on like, I seriously have like seven hard drives, like portable hard drives around my office. I looked on every single one. I spent like seven hours looking for stupid pictures, never could find them. I know they're somewhere. I don't know where. And I was like, okay, so if I'm frustrated, if I'm irritated, my system's broken. And so we're yes. like, okay, so we go to Google. So we're building it in Google Drive now, which is similar to Dropbox. We're just making folders yeah. for every property. And then we're going to, yeah. So if you're frustrated, if you're angry, if you're irritated, if you're stressed, something's not right in your system. So ask yourself, how do we fix that? And then do it.
1: Yeah, correct. It makes it so now all of a sudden you're running around with your, like, your head cut off and trying to, you know, drive to this property or drive over there or look for photos all day. Like you just said, versus if you already had it in place and you just did that little bit of extra work up front then it saves you a tremendous amount of challenges later yeah, and frustrations later.
0: I love that. And yeah, getting getting organized is just it's 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 so important as we've been yeah. scaling bigger pockets. You know, we've realized like you know, hey, how do how do we transform? How do I go from doing everything to getting other people to do it? You have to put the processes in place for them to be able to take over. So, you know, you you for example have built a business that's scalable now, right? So you you yes. theoretically could step out of the business, go away for you know a few weeks, and here's here's how it works. Here's the manual. Here's the process. Done. It's, right. It's
1: funny. It's funny that you just brought that back up. I brought that up. Sorry. The uh, I just got back last night from uh, my honeymoon, and oh, I've been gone. Congrats. For, I've been. Thank you. I've been gone for two weeks, and with zero cell phone signal, zero communication, I completely went off the grid, and uh, I only turned my phone on last night. So and. Made a quick conference call with my team just to see, make sure the houses weren't burnt down, <laughs> and that they still worked with me, and yeah, everything went pretty good. I mean, there was challenges, of course, while I was gone, but because of what we put in place, they were able to rely on those processes and continue to move things forward. And pretty much everything's on track. What it would have been even if I was just was here, probably, it probably worked better because I was gone and out of the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: and I, I, I'm guilty in the past of. You know, not taking vacations and not doing that. And and a lot of the reason was a lack of systems, a lack of processes, a lack of people, too. But, you know, yeah. So for for folks who are listening, you know, you don't have to actually be be tied down. You don't have to be tied to your business. But in order to get out, you have to figure out how to create those systems and processes for sure. Yeah,
1: I know here. Go ahead. No, you go ahead.
3: No, you go ahead. You're no, sure. You, you are. You
1: no, you go ahead. All right. So the no, I mean it's it's the whole vacation thing for me is a new new concept as well. But it's because I didn't. I've spent the last two years not taking a vacation. So this was actually the first one for me in two years where I completely disconnected, and, and it has opened my eyes to be like I need to keep working on my systems even more because I can't keep going the pace I was going prior to this.
0: Yeah, mine was nine years, by the way. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> not not that we're competing. With anything. <laughs> by the way, that's a sign of stupidity. Um, the, the fact that I went nine years without an actual, uh, legit off the grid vacation. Yeah. Well,
3: well, well, you've been doing a good job lately, Josh. I mean, Josh has been having every. I mean, well, there's twenty some people at Bigger Pockets now. Everybody's making these like manuals on what we do and like step by step processes. So like, I've got like a twenty or thirty page document on exactly how I do webinars because like. Josh wants to make sure that we have a system for everything. And speaking of webinars, you like that transition, oh, we have a webinar coming up this next week. It's uh, we're talking about five things to know before buying a rental property. Seriously, these five things are vital, and uh, hopefully, you guys can all make it. You can uh, sign up at biggerpockets.com/webinar. And I hope to see you there. You like that transition? Wasn't that which, smooth?
0: Which, by the way, speaking of rental properties, Taral, yeah. you doing Older any rental that properties? that transition, that
3: was awesome. Uh, nice. Apples, yeah.
1: Transitioned well, right before back. Before we handle that transition, I just want to make sure, Brandon, that you, you're a little careful with that. Uh, the, all those manuals that Josh is making, making you yeah. make, because that. That might be telling you something about the future. I know. Here's- yep, right. making me a little
3: bit, uh, a little bit. What's the word? Uh, uh, Replace- replaceable. Yeah, that's exactly what it is.
0: Everybody <laughs> should be replaceable, including me. I, I mean, fully it, agree. Yep, know, that's, I fully agree. That's, that's pretty much. I, I I think how you want to run a business. I yep. mean, you can't you can't have you know a, a place in your business where um, if X, Y, and Z happens, you're screwed. I mean, it just can't yep. happen. Yep. And obviously, when you're first getting started. That is you, but you know, as you start to scale it up and build a team that changes. And again, obviously not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody wants to build a big real estate business. In this case, you have done that. You are doing that, but there's lots of people who just, Hey, I want to own a couple properties just on the side. Yeah. That's great. You don't have to worry about it. You still want to have. Processes to kind of cover yourself. You still want to be organized, but you don't necessarily have to do it with the intent of, you know, hey, how are we going to keep flipping houses when I go away for two weeks off the yeah. grid? To where, by the way?
1: Yeah, oh, we doing- went to the uh, the Galapagos Islands.
3: Wow, oh, that's cool. yeah, very nice. Well, yeah, swim with we'll all the
1: turtles, together. sharks, and everything. that's cool. <laughs> That's nice.
3: awesome. To add, to add a little bit to that, like you don't also have to have a massive business flipping thirty houses a year or run a you know bigger pockets to have systems. I mean, when I think about like any business, I mean, think about what if you got hit by a bus and your husband or wife had to take over the business, like. Would you be hurting them for the next 10 years of your life because you left them with a mess? You know, would you be yeah. hurting your kids with your parents, like wherever you are, even if you have one rental property, you should have that systematized in case something happens to you so that somebody else could take over.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it just runs better that way. Yeah. I mean, we did, we got to, I got to speak um, a couple of weeks ago to one of the local uh, Rias here. And, and what they wanted me to speak on was like showing that how do we do the volume that we do, but condense it all the way down to one house. Right, if you're only doing one property and that's it, that's and cool. if you just follow, if you follow your systems, then that property should be running ten times better if you're if you have a system to begin with. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's awesome. And you know, to, to Brandon's point, we actually did. It was our fifth show. It was uh, bigger pockets podcast slash show biggerpockets.com slash show uh, five. What was it? Five yeah, show or five? Over?
3: I think it was show five. Show five.
0: I think. Yeah, show five. Uh, Neil Frankel, and the show was called "Dealing with Death." And I, if you have not watched, listened to that show, I think it's probably one of the single most important shows that we've ever done here on, on the podcast. It's relevant to absolutely everybody. And it's really all about just organizing yourself for your spouse or your family, things like that, how to plan, how to prepare yourself for your own death, which is obviously morbid, but absolutely essential. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely recommend if you have not listened, go ahead and do that. Biggerpockets.com slash show five. And a- apologies uh, if
3: we sucked back then. We probably still sucked. That today, was a long no, time, time ago. It was a long time ago. We didn't know what we were doing. But, yeah, you know, um, well, i mean, he,
0: he, Yeah, but T- Tarl never answered the rental property question, did he? Okay. Oh,
1: yeah. Are you doing rentals? So, so yeah. I, do, I do the burr. Is that how you say burr, it? burr,
3: yeah. Burr. Yeah. You got to do like the shiver with it. Burr.
1: burr. Yeah. <laughs> the, what is burr? Uh, uh Buy it, rehab it, refinance it, rent it. But we do the rent it, then refinance. Mostly. Yeah, rent
3: it, refinance. Yeah, yeah that's what uh, I do. Whatever
1: way you're supposed to do it. So yeah. the, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Uh, the, the, and It's actually challenging here in the Pacific Northwest to find properties that cash flow. And this is a high appreciation market on our part. And so, like, for, like, for instance, we just sold a house that was just a, a four-bedroom, two-bath, 2,000-square-foot uh, 2, Rambler right in Bellevue. And a Rambler is like a rancher, depending on where you're from. It, we sold for 700,000. There's no way I could rent that thing out and make any kind of profit on it right? Yep. at all. And so yep. uh, it's a little bit challenged to do that here if you want cash flow. So yep. we do keep the ones that are opportunistically, they work well, but they're almost always just destroyed, trashed houses that are in areas, like in our area would be uh, Pierce County, which would be Tacoma area, and to where we can rent them out and make a profit. So we we just did a house where we bought it for 80 grand and we put 32 into it, refinanced it. And so was able to get everything out of it. And then, but it rents for $1,400 a month and it's, it cash flows almost 600 bucks a month doing it that way. And so for, but that was, if I flipped it, this is what's hard, right? So if you do the numbers here, that's 600 bucks a yeah. month, which is cool and exciting. But if I would have flipped it, I would have made about $38,000 flipping it. And so. That's kept me away from buying holds for a long time because I go like, well, 38 grand now or $600. That's, that's going to take me, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years to make the same amount of
3: money. <laughs> so, yep. and, and I that, don't is wanna be that is tough. That is tough, yeah. right? Trying to transition out of the business of flipping or any kind of business where you make a lot of money and trying to put in the longer term investments. It's, uh, it's tough to know that, but you are headed that direction. Yeah. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, definitely. The big thing is. I don't want to keep having to work for every single one of these properties. And so it's been a transition for me mentally to go, Hey, I sell that house. That's the last time I'm making a dollar on that house ever. And it's, and it's, this is a full, this, when you flip houses full time, it's a job. It's a, you, that's, there's no passive income stream on that. Yeah. It's very challenging to systematize and pull yourself away from a hundred percent flip business. And versus if you're buying and holding and doing more passive real estate, then eventually you can take yourself out of the business a little bit easier. And so I'm working towards transitioning into that quite a bit. That's cool.
3: Well, if people want to know more about the Burr strategy, uh, we wrote up an ebook, uh, on that strategy. It's totally free. No opt-in or nothing. I mean, you just go and download it. It's at biggerpockets.com slash Burr, B-R-R-R-R. So four R's. And you can also actually analyze properties using our Burr calculator, which is probably one of my favorite tools in the entire world. I use it uh, every single day because I love the Burr strategy. So, uh, <laughs> check that out at biggerpockets.com slash. Calc, C-A-L-C. All right. So, uh, kind of to wrap up the whole systems conversation, one thing you said at the very, very beginning, we just glossed over it, but I love that you said it. Systems allow you to live, uh, stop living reactively and start living proactively. You said something like that. Okay. And I, and I love yep. that. That's like perfectly sums up why we have systems, checklists, processes, things like that. It's not because we love TPS reports and we like to be office space and, you know, where's my stapler, but like we, we do these things because, <laughs> because they help us to, Define what we want out of life, not just to constant react. Correct. I love that. I love that. Yeah, so,
1: no that's that's the biggest thing because it's when we buy these houses and you're three, four, five weeks later having this huge issue. And you look back and you realize, well, if I would have just spent an extra hour planning this thing, yeah. then I wouldn't be running around trying to figure, now this is a huge problem that's going to cost thousands of extra dollars because we didn't take the time to deal with it before. Yep. You yeah. do enough of those problems, eventually you start figuring out how to not keep repeating those same mistakes.
0: Love it. Love it. So yeah. what's next for you?
1: Uh, continue to improve the systems. But for us right now, I'm actually looking to go out of state even more and take what we've developed and just buying uh, different markets because I, I know that we're in a unique situation where we are because we're doing a lot of hardcore rehabs uh, that if we took the same system we had created here and moved it to a different state we'd be able to do it even better in my opinion with less work I think it's actually easier to be out of state than in state because I have to when I, when it's in state I drive these properties right when it's out of state I can't drive the properties, <laughs> so it nice. ends up like this, me being gone for the last two weeks has opened my eyes that I got to stop driving properties like personally. I, that's what other people are for. And the, cause I am always in my car and everything takes forever to get anywhere. So, um, I'm going to end up partnering with, I'm going to bring on another uh, partner into the business and the two of us, cause he's got some unique skills that I don't have. The two of us combined, we think we can definitely take over a couple different states out there and build more freedom in our lives by doing that. And that's what I'm working towards.
3: Awesome. Cool. Hey, awesome. before we, before we move on to the fire round, I do have one question. You just in the conversation you had with our kind of uh, producer, Hillary, uh, you mentioned uh-huh. to her something about the idea of you interviewed 67 general contractors in three days. <laughs> Can you tell us yeah. that story real quick? Cause I, I was I like, if, I, I knew if it didn't come up in our conversation, <laughs> I had to ask you about it at the end. Okay. So that's good. So the, uh, so one of the
1: about, uh, was it 2011, I partnered up with a company called Charter Home Alliance out of Arizona, and I became—I um, was a consultant for them, and I helped opening them up into different states. For um, they were a Fannie Mae uh, construction company, so they worked with Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae gave them the the REOs, the real estate owned properties, and they would fix them up, right? So, but they did it all from Arizona. This is where I learned some of my systems. They did it all from Scottsdale, Arizona, and at the time that the two of us partnered. They were just opening up in Washington, so I took over Washington for them. Through the course of 2011, 2012, and 2013, we went to seven different states, and that also led to a bunch of different networking, and that's how we got into flips, multiple states too. But we opened up into Chicago, and so we literally had one week to start Chicago. And Fannie Mae said, "Hey, we need you in Chicago. Go out there." I didn't know anybody in Chicago. I never been to Chicago, and probably the biggest missing piece that most people have to networking is that they don't utilize their title agents and their escrow agents out there. So I immediately, I have a partnership locally with Fidelity. So I called up Fidelity here and then they introduced me to their sales managers in Chicago. I told them what we were doing and I said, Hey, does anybody in your team know contractors? And they then proceeded to set up through my direction and my coordination with them to set up group meetings with contractors in multiple different places in Chicago. All this happened within a week. I fly out to Chicago the next week and in, in, Three days went to five different group meetings with sixty-seven GCs, and they all, (laughs) you know, and just like and just interviewed all of them. Just went to town on it, but that's but I didn't set up a single one of those meetings. I had my title agents locally in Chicago do that for me. Wow, and. That's leverage. That's uh, being able to work with people. And the reason why they want to do that is because they know that we'll provide business for them and be able to get them more business. And so there's, I think there's a lot of missing opportunities for people out there to how can they provide more value to other investors, to other, even just to title agents, to escrow agents, to mortgage brokers, to realtors, whatever, and, and share business with each other and then help each other out and build a, build a company.
3: I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, shift gears here and head over to the world famous Fire it's round. time for the fire round. These come direct out of the bigger pockets forums. And of course, everybody listening to this should be engaged there 24 seven. Just kidding, but at least try to jump in every couple of days <laughs> over at biggerpockets.com slash forums. Number one. Should newbies flip a house without seeing the property? Newbies.
1: That's really tough unless they really understand rehab and they can get a whole bunch of photos and even better yet, a bunch of photos and a video and they can analyze the properties or have somebody in their partnership or team that can analyze the rehab part of it, depending on where you are. And I say this coming from the Pacific Northwest where you can have an entire house with knob and tube electrical and not know it just by looking at pictures, yeah. right? Or having faulty, there's, or the house can be completely crooked to where six inches in a 10-foot space, it go drops down six inches, right? That so never that, happened, right? That that has never happened. <laughs> yet, right? So the, And you wouldn't know unless you were there. So unless you're in an area that has a lot of newer houses, I would totally avoid that as a newbie unless you have background in being able to do stuff like that.
0: Perfect. All right, cool. How do you find the bulk of your deals?
1: Uh, so the bulk of my deals come from wholesalers. So we probably 99% of them right now come from wholesalers out there. And that's through us networking and working with wholesalers, teaching some of them how to find the deals. And we do zero marketing right now uh, as a team. It's all networking 100%. Anything on market doesn't make sense. Unless it's maybe a short sale that somebody had tied up and then we just buy the LLC from them. And then the, or almost everything else is from, Wholesalers assignment contracts off market.
3: That's awesome. awesome. So awesome. you get all you get your deals without marketing. We somebody else handles all the marketing. They handle all the dealing with the motivated sellers. Yep. They handle all that. You guys just pick up the deals and go and run with it. I love that. Uh, yeah, I need some they, more wholesalers in my area. <laughs> yeah.
1: They. I mean, it's having that reputation of no, no bullshit, no, no messing around. Just if it's a good deal or not. You know, we we are going to close. We'll treat them fair. Everybody gets paid, and keeping it simple. Yeah.
3: So, right. Fantastic. No cool. problem. Love it. All right, number three. I'm struggling to decide what path to take. Should I flip? Should I wholesale? Should I do rental properties? Depends. How much money do you have? Um, how much
1: time do you have to put into whatever uh, you know avenue you choose? Uh, what's your goals? What's your end goals? What's your? Do you want a whole bunch of cash at once, or do you want it spread out? Do you want the leverage abilities of the buy and hold? What's your local market like? So these are all things that people need to really self analyze and figure out. Was it just because they you know see hgtv and they think it's really cool that everybody flips on there and makes a bunch of money or they like decorating and they want to do a flip or do they just want the cash flow of a rental so if they can figure that part out first and analyze their local market to see what's the better fit for it then that would help them make their decision
0: Sure. On, on. All right. Last question. I'm I'm going to tweak this a bit. The question was, what's the best market in the country in your opinion to flip houses? I'm assuming you don't know every market in the country. No, so no. How, how would I go about determining if my market was a good market to flip houses? And how about that?
1: That's, I've never been asked that question. So that's, that's good. <laughs> I would you. definitely, one is you can go network with your local investors and talk to them too. Like, so go to your local RIAs, go to whatever local network group, bigger pockets for sure and ask other investors that way what are they investing in what is if you talk to everybody in your local RIA and they're all buying old guys that might give you an idea pretty quick also when you're analyzing your deals if you know from your personal house that you know there's not a lot of appreciation and it's more of a, a slow appreciation maybe like the middle of the united states that might tell you a thing or two as well but i've never been asked that so that's a uh, that's pretty interesting to think that way. Well, I
3: mean, <laughs> that's I think, the best. like you yeah. said, networking. I mean, I, I kind of think if people are doing it, then it's probably it probably works. If you can find a lot of people that are, yeah, making money. I yeah. think
0: that's a bad. That's really yeah. a bad <laughs> way
3: to.
0: to I don't no, um, I mean, well, think about it. The ahead. average average guy doesn't know their head from their backside in terms of real estate investing. Yes, sure. sophisticated investors do, but like, you know, just because somebody's buying property and calling themselves an investor doesn't mean they're an educated investor. No, so I'm saying, if, them, like, you if know, you
3: see Taro in Seattle, I can assume Seattle is probably a market you can make money. That's flipping, absolutely. Right, absolutely. you find somebody who is succeeding at it already, then Correct. then it obviously works there. If yeah, if, if you got. Like,
0: you know, John, your neighbor is like, oh, I've been flipping houses. Good, John. That's Yeah, great. yeah. that doesn't you know? mean
3: anything. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, don't do that.
1: Yeah. And I and like what you said there, Brandon, too, is that it's, it's, you be careful who you're listening to and yes. who you're taking advice, like what Josh said. And because there's a lot of, the more networking you do out there um, yeah. locally, you'll meet a lot of um, uh, talkers, a lot of people that might sound like they know what they're doing, but they really don't do anything. Uh, and it's just kind of see if the proof's in the pudding. Maybe go walk one of their houses, you know, Mm, see if they even have a house and yeah, that might give us a little bit more credibility too.
3: Yeah. Love that. Love it. it. All right, cool. Well, Hey, let's shift gears over to the end of the show, which we lovingly call our famous for. All right. These are the same questions we ask every guest every week. So we're going to throw them at you right now. Number one, what is your favorite real estate related book?
1: Well, everybody on your podcast says rich dad, poor dad. So the, for, for me, the Rich Dad Poor Dad did change my life when I was 17. But believe it or not, I don't read a lot of real estate books. I read like almost none. But I did, probably the best one I read over the last couple of years that changed my business was actually one of your guys' bigger pockets books. Um, it's actually the, the one that Jay Scott wrote on how to estimate rehab. Yeah. And, and I think people don't use that book correctly based on the people that I've talked to locally. They think that they're going to learn everything there is about rehab and how to bid a house based on just reading it i see i found it for me cuz i used to have a partnership where the ex-partner was the rehab guy not me i didn't know anything about rehab and i'd buy the houses and run the numbers but i would literally sit in the house and let the gc and the realtor talk the whole time while i played on my phone and i wouldn't pay attention to anything <laughs> and so when that partnership failed i had to start learning rehab and it was actually j scott's book that like helped me be able to have a conversation with a contractor and know what a ledger board is and know you know know what the things are on these houses. And then also what I think people could do is they could take the ranges of what he provides in that book. So that way when they're, if they don't know anything about rehab and they get bids back and they see that, Hey, you know, it should cost between X and X based on what Jay Scott wrote, then that should give them a good idea if they're right around where they need to be. And so I don't know if any of that makes sense, but that helped me a lot in my business when I went off my own.
0: And you could pick that up at biggerpockets.com slash flipping book. We sell it along with the Flipping houses, or you can just buy it direct on Amazon or on bigger pockets. Forget the, I, I think uh, bigger pockets slash store. Yeah, slash store. Slash store. Yeah. yeah, you can buy it individually.
3: Cool. All right. Awesome. Good deal. Yeah. All I, right. I was, I, I was going to plug that book too. It was an awesome book. Um, and I agree. A lot of people just think if they get that book, it's going to tell them this is how much a roof costs, but it doesn't. I mean, yeah. it, it says this is a range. It's different everywhere, but here's how you estimate it. And that's the real value is it works everywhere because it doesn't tell you a number. It tells you how to figure out the number on your own. So yeah, and get, and it tells you the
1: process work. of construction. Like yep. it tells yeah. you that, yeah. you know, Hey, do this before that, like that kind of, and it's, it just makes you sound smarter to the contractors. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the biggest thing. If you're new out there and you don't know how to talk to a contractor, then you should probably read that book and look at it. And if you don't, if they tell you something, just pick it up as a reference. And so that way you can actually like sound like it. And the more you sound like you know what you're doing, the less you'll get screwed by contractors.
2: Yeah. There you go.
0: There you cool. go. I love it. All right. How about favorite business book, non-real estate?
1: That, by hands down, is 4-Hour Workweek, if you call that a business book. Sure. By uh, Timothy Ferris. That, that that entire everything in that book, I'm trying it's like my new Bible. I'm just <laughs> doing everything I can to work towards everything it says to do, and it's it's definitely the other book too would be the One Thing, yep. And that book totally changed my business a couple of years ago as well.
0: Awesome, those are two uh, of my both, favorite business books as well. Both good good books. We Tim uh, Ferriss on the for podcast. those yes. listeners. Yeah. It, it took us a while, <laughs> it took me a while to to read it the first and and the One Thing. You know we're actually friends now with, with Jay who's been on our show. Jay Papazon. One of, uh, so uh yeah great 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 books definitely recommend everybody check it out. Hobbies. Hobby do, do for fun.
1: Oh yeah. I, that's why I'm reading the four hour work week so I can do that. <laughs> the I absolutely love to scuba dive and I also and I do that here in the Puget Sound. Wear a dry suit. It's very cold. Whoa if you don't know how cold it is it's about between 40 and 50 degrees, depending on what time of year. You're insane. So yeah, I love it. So (laughs) yeah, when we are in the Galapagos, we we were in the Galapagos. We had uh, a close to about 50 Galapagos sharks all in a school, uh, swim right by us as we were scuba diving. It was awesome. Uh, The other thing, um, I, I actually, uh, ski patrol during the winter. I love to snowboard. I like emergency medicine stuff. A lot of things outdoors, but it's, it's really more, you know, scuba, snowboard, skydive, that kind of thing. So it's, a
0: lot of fun. Cool. I, I actually have a, a question on on your dry suit situation there. Uh-huh. So I'm assu- you're going in forty degree water. I'm assuming you're not like going in your skivvies, right? I mean, are you like wearing a coat in there because you're still like <laughs> the temperature transfer still got to be there? Yes, no?
1: absolutely. Oh yeah, you'd definitely freeze your ass off. So. <laughs> You wear there is a undergarment that you wear like it's a it's like a full body fleece or or down that you wear it's per, it's actually specific for dry suits because it traps okay. air so you stay warm yep. and then the air in your dry suit that you fill up actually heats up with your body temperature and then uh, gets trapped in your fleece okay. so it's okay. yeah if you didn't have anything on underneath there yeah you'd definitely feel it. you'd be just as cold it just wouldn't
3: be wet so right 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 got it well, cool cool all right my last question of the day. Tara, what do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail or never even get started?
1: So, I thought about that one cuz I've heard enough of your podcast to know about that one and I, I I can talk for hours about this type of stuff, but there's <laughs> for the one that I think is more unique that I was just really trying to figure out was I don't, I think a lot of guys, a lot of people don't self-analyze themselves enough to figure out what they're what's holding them back from actually doing Whatever it is they need to do in their real estate business. And then and a lot of people aren't honest with themselves, like really figuring out what, you know, what is it that they want? What is it that's making them fail? If something's not working, maybe it's not their system. Maybe it's them. Right. So, and if people would consistently, even a monthly, yearly, whatever daily basis, really look at themselves and their business and be direct with themselves saying, I'm not getting what I want because of X and taking personal responsibility for it, that everything's your fault, good and bad, and really owning up to that. I think it'll change a lot of people's business life, especially in real estate, because yeah. if you're marketing out there and you've sent, I've sent 10,000 letters and not getting a call. Well, are you, are I sent 10,000 letters and I haven't gotten a deal, but I get a lot of phone calls. Well, maybe you suck on the phone, right? So there's, <laughs> There, it's figure out Lynch. that part, or maybe your letter sucks and you're not willing to to admit it, right? Who knows? But it's something you have to change. You have to look at yourself as much as possible and figure that out. And the better you become, the better everything else becomes.
0: Be introspective. I love Big it. Time. I love it. I love it. All right, man. Before we let you go, where can people find out more about you? Where can they look you up, reach out and connect?
1: So bigger pockets for sure. You know, just type in Tarl. I'll be the only one on there. And then the <laughs> but. Recently, actually, I spent a lot of years in this business where we've never had a website, we've never had anything like because we never really cared to have the public even know what I was doing or what we were doing. But recently, I got involved with this site. It's called. Uh, hold on, I wrote it down. Uh, f- Facebook, right? Yeah, Facebook. I've never heard of that. Never so, heard yeah. of that one before. Everybody heard of that. <laughs> so we have a Facebook site, and it's just a uh, Facebook you know com forward slash fixated f i x a t e d r e. That's our company, and so you can friend us on that. Also, our website that we have as a company that you can see some of our portfolio is www.fixatedre.com, www.fixated, and you can look us up there. But if you want to actually get in touch with me, then Bigger Pockets is going to be your best bet.
0: Perfect. Well, Tarl, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. We really do appreciate it. Lots of luck going forward with the business, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, you and I can both uh, get out there and take some more vacations.
1: That'd be fantastic. I'd, so. like to go,
0: I'd like to go scuba diving with you. That'd, that'd be awesome. Damn. That'd
1: be cool. I'll show you a new world. It'd be awesome. So,
0: yeah.
1: Cool. All right. Well, thanks, man. guys. Thanks for
0: having Take me. It easy. All right.
3: Thank you. See you around. Bye.
0: All right, guys. That was Tarl Yarber. Again, a big thanks to Tarl for coming on the show. Man, that was awesome.
3: Yeah. There were so many good points that I, I oh. would, you know, want to, want to write down. I should have taken some notes while we were doing it, but I'll have to listen to this again later. But yes. I mean, just like his idea of like networking, like how important networking is to him. And it is right. like every bigger pockets local. That's where event he gets his to, money. He gets his that's money. He finds deals. He's, I mean, like yep. networking is key to him. And, uh, you know, he posts on the bigger pockets forums and he, you know, builds relationships that way as well. So yeah, I mean, that, if that's one thing you guys can take away from this is get out there and network. I also love his story about like how afraid he was to like knock on doors. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, I've totally been there. Yeah, it's, no, uh, that was that
0: was awesome. And and I I think most people are going to love the photo tip. I mean, the the yeah. fact that that thing has saved him multiple times is just proof to to how important something like that is. Yeah, so I, again, processes I, and systems, right? Yeah,
3: totally convicted me. On that. I mean, I need to spend some time and work on my photo. Convicted you? Convicted me to the heart of how crappy oh. I do with that. No. <laughs> so with that, yeah, no, good show people uh hopefully uh you know you can go like listen to it again or connect with tarl biggerpockets.com forward slash 180 was it show 189 show yeah 180. show 189 yes so. yes and
0: and if if you found it as enjoyable as i did to learn about Rosie vomiting in brandon's
3: mouth <laughs> oh my god please
0: feel free to let brandon know via twitter at brandon at bp and uh you know just Clown him a little bit. That'd yeah. be fun. Send him, send him some vomit pictures and things. Oh, that, that would that'd be, be
3: awesome. I can't wait to look at my Twitter feed. <laughs> Yay. <Yeah.
0: laughs> All right, guys. Well, listen, it's been fun. I am Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. And until next time, we'll look forward to serving you on the Bigger Pocket site. We hope you keep listening to the podcast and please spread the word. I'm Josh Dorkin. Signing off.